If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. We started chapter 7 last week, went through the first 13 verses, and we'll go through the remainder of the chapter tonight. And I just want to give a quick review of some key points that we had last week, maybe summarize those and then move on. So last week, Paul was explaining that we must die to both sin, which he had talked about previously, but also to the law. So we are not enslaved to the law as Christians. Prior to chapter 7, he had only been talking about dying to sin. Uh, but it's our death to sin that sets us free from the law. So he's building upon this principle, this concept of uh, freedom because of being free from our sin, but now also the natural course of that is also to be free from the law. And then we talked about when we do die to sin and the law, that there's freedom to live in the newness of the Spirit. And I think that's a key point that Paul is trying to make. Not only do we die to sin and die to the law, there has to be something new to replace that, and that's the newness of the Holy Spirit, and that we uh, are to live in that and act and react with the power of the Holy Spirit and the newness that it brings. The word new is important there because we talked about the old man, you know, and the old uh, the law, which is the old covenant. Uh, now we are looking at the newness of the Holy Spirit and that relationship of grace through uh, what Christ did. If we don't die to sin and the law, then we will have a tendency to cross the boundaries that God has set for us. I mean, that even though the law is, we're in a new covenant, God still has boundaries. We're not supposed to live just however we want to and do whatever we want to. If we don't die out, now how many knows this process of dying to sin and to the law is a continuing thing. If we don't just die to sin one time, but we die to sin daily. Paul says, I die daily. If we don't die to the law and to sin, then we, we will have a tendency to cross the boundaries that God has set for us. So, and then finally, the last point, which kind of ties into tonight as we go forward, is that we must recognize our fleshly tendency to sin. Now, I, I want to hear the word fleshly tendency to sin, because uh, we ended last week saying that sin tries to hide out in us. Because it doesn't want to be revealed, because if sin in us is revealed, then we can take care of it, right? We can uh, get rid of it. So the only way to kill sin in our life is to understand and be notice whenever uh, sin tries to rise up in us. Have you ever, ever started to just blow up and just tell somebody like it was and then the Holy Spirit checked you? That's that tendency that we have, but we also have the Holy Spirit to check us and direct us and guide us and do all those things that the Holy Spirit does. So let's look at verse 14 of chapter 7 in Romans. And it says this, For we know 
that the law is spiritual. So Paul's saying the law is spiritual. It's not bad. It's not, uh, matter of fact, we know that the law is good because it reveals sin. For the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. And so uh, I think the first question that we have to ask ourselves is, Paul is saying he's carnal. Does that mean he's saying he's a sinner? Shaking their heads and everybody saying no when they put their heads. Carnal does not necessarily mean sin, right? Paul is, is not saying that he's carnal. As a matter of fact, his awareness of his carnality is proof that the Holy Spirit is still working in him. And if we recognize our carnal tendencies, then that means that the Holy Spirit is working in us, pointing those things out and helping us to live uh, that God has called us to live. So what does the word carnal mean? Carnal simply means of the flesh. So Paul is recognizing that the spiritual law cannot help a carnal man. We have a tendency that we have, I'm going to say, old paths that the old man used to take. And we have to reroute that thinking and reroute that what we do. Uh, and it's through the, the help of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's saying he's sold under sin. He's under bondage to sin. Like a man that's been arrested for a crime and thrown in jail. I started by saying that carnal does not mean that he's a sinner. And I want to keep pointing that out. Because if you keep looking at this, Paul is like very much describing his struggle with sin. But can I tell you that struggling with sin is a good thing. That means that you're, you know it's wrong, you don't want to do it, but you do still have the flesh. You're, you are carnal. You are the flesh until you die and are resurrected and have a new body, right? Now, we've talked about all along. That does not give us the right or the, the we should just want to live in sin, right? We should want to live uh, like God's called us to do. So Paul's saying, I'm, I'm sold under sin. So let's read verses 15 through 19. And you see this struggle in Paul's mind. I think if we're truthful with ourselves, we go through some similar struggles in our mind. I want to do this, he's saying, but I end up doing this. Uh, and sometimes we, that happens to us. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will, I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But why does he say the law is good? Because it's pointing out what's wrong to do, right? It's pointing out that this is sin to do this particular thing. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do it. But the evil I will, I will not to do that I practice. 
So uh, as we look at these verses 15 through 19 of chapter 17, Paul is saying that I have a problem. It's an internal problem that he has. He's struggling to do what is good and to do what is right, but yet at times he ends up not doing those things. We see that, but as we look at this, I, I, I've got to point out, it's, we, we know the character of Paul from reading his writings. He's not an evil, bad man, but yet you see this struggle that he's telling us about, and I think he does it because he talks about this because all of us, at some point or another, have this internal struggle. I want to do this, but it seems I end up doing this. I want you to know that Paul doesn't have, a, it's not a lack of desire on Paul's part to do what is right. It's not a lack of desire. It's not a lack of knowledge that he doesn't know the right thing to do. So what is it? Why, does, why can he not do what is good and ends up doing what is bad? Why, why do we have a tendency at times to do that? I'm not saying we live in that, but I'm saying we still have a tendency and have a struggle. But the other thing is that if we try to do this, remember Paul is a good Jew. He grew up as a Jew, was trained under the best teachers of Judaism, and he still has this internal struggle. If you were raised a certain way, how many knows that's hard to break? So he still has this internal struggle because he's trying to depend upon the law to help him to do good. Problem with the law is it does not contain any power to do good. The law doesn't have any power to do good. The law simply points out what is sin and what is evil and what is wrong. How do we get the power to live this way? He just described it to us last week. The newness of the Holy Spirit. That new life that we can live under the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. The law tells us here are the rules, keep them. But it doesn't give us any power to keep them, right? Paul goes on to say, I, I know law, it is no longer I who do, who do it. In other words, I'm not really the one sinning, but sin still dwells in me. So is Paul trying to get a, an out for this sin that he says dwells in him? Oh, it's not me, it's just sin. Is that what he's trying to do? No, he's recognizing that when he does sin, which should not be a continual life of sin, I keep wanting to point that out, uh, when he does sin and it's occasional and rare, uh, we've said, then he is acting against the nature of the new man that he is in Christ. As a Christian and a new man in Christ, this is my nature. Occasionally, rarely, hopefully, not nearly all the time, I might act outside of that character, but it's not really the new me and the real me. It's the old man and the old way and the old uh, life that I 
sometime might revert to occasionally. As we look at this, Paul's saying, I'm acting against my true new nature when I sin. So a Christian has to own up. How many knows we have to own it when we sin? If we sin, we need to own it. Confess it. Say we did it, right? I'm not one who thinks that we, although the Bible says, says confess your sins before one another, uh, I think you need to be very careful if you're doing that. Not everybody should you tell your sin to. Some people you can trust and some people you cannot. Uh, that's just the truth of the matter. I believe we certainly ought to confess our sin before the Lord. And maybe those people who are our accountability people, our, those who that we trust, those we prayed with and they prayed with us, those kinds of things. So we must own our sin, uh, but in the same route, we must also disown it. That's really what Paul is saying here. He's saying that I have this occasional tendency to live outside of the new me. And when I do, I need to confess it, but not just confess it and continue to live in it. So I need to own it, but I also need to disown it. What does that mean? Get rid of it. If you disown someone who's your kin, you no longer associate with them, right? Hopefully you don't, you haven't had to do that. Uh, but I mean, that's a, that is, we know what that word means. So we, Paul's saying, own your sin when you do sin, confess it, and get rid of it. Don't keep going back. Reminds me of a verse in the Bible that talks about a dog going back to his mom. Because he will. They're nasty like that. They will do that. Well, the, the, the way to defeat the carnal mind has to end in obedience. But the way we defeat the carnal mind is, in my opinion, if you're asking my opinion, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And how, how, how does that happen? Reading the word, our relationship with the Lord, and being obedient. And the big part of what Paul is saying here is that we know we need to obey, but something about our old nature occasionally tries to rise up and we have to cut it off and we have to disown it. But the only way to really do that is in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you can know you're not supposed to do something and just keep doing it. Addicts. Do that all the time, don't they? I know I shouldn't take this drink. I know I shouldn't do this drug. I know I should, but I don't have the power to keep from doing it just because of the law. The law reveals its sin, condemns me, but it doesn't help me other than to know what sin is. What helps us is the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Paul, that's what Paul is talking about. We're going to read verses 20 through 23. And you see this battle, if you will, between the two selves. The old self and the new self. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. 
Notice he's not saying that it lives in me, but it's present with me. The one who wills to, to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. What's he saying? Who's that inward man? That real man, that changed man, that Christian man who is being uh, the, the Holy Spirit lords over us. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm saying he helps us. He's supposed to help us uh, to live like we ought to. So I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members. What we remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago in our body. Our members literally are like eyes, ears, nose. How many knows that we, we have we have flesh bodies and, and we can sin and sometimes our eyes will misguide us. We'll see things that we want to do and we shouldn't. Or we'll have a tendency, if we don't watch out, to listen to things that we shouldn't. So uh, I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind. When he's talking about mind, he's talking about that internal, not just his physical mind, but that mind that has been transformed and has been changed because of the new man. So I see this uh, and warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. C.S. Lewis wrote this, and I think it's very true. No man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. When, when we try to be good, what's he saying here? In our own strength, right? When we try to be good without the help of the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. But we have to have the the help of the Holy Holy Spirit. Romans 7, 24. We have a tendency to make light a little bit of this internal struggle that Paul is revealing to us. Like he's showing us a different side of him than normally caught in the scriptures. And when he says this, I mean, I can sense his Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? So Paul's saying, this is no joke. I'm really struggling with sin. I'm not a sinner, but I'm really struggling. There's this struggle with sin. And I think that primarily was because of his tendency to, I can't help but think he had a tendency to go back and depend upon the law because that he's, he's Jewish, right? And imagine if somebody says, everything that you used to believe about the law, it's now changed. He was sold out to the law, right? Because he thought it was treason, essentially, to the Ju Judaism, to this Christian faith. He thought it was uh, blasphemy and all this kind of stuff. So he comes and he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So the word wretched, we always think of wretched being, and, and, and there is that connotation. But here, when you look at this word, it's an ancient Greek word. We always think wretched, we think vile and evil. And there is an aspect of that in our language. But wretched in the ancient Greek here, this word means worn out because of unsuccessful effort. That's why he's saying, I'm just totally worn out. If you want, can I put in my words? Paul's saying, I'm worn out from this struggle. 
not saying I'm not a Christian and I'm about to fall, said, this is a real struggle. He's explaining to us this real struggle. And I think that unsuccessful effort is trying to please God under the principle of the law. So if you're trying to please God and you kept 612 out of the 613, but you missed one, you messed up, you did something you weren't supposed to do, what will your mind tell you? There's, there's, there's two things. By the way, that's called legalism. I'm glad we don't live under the legal aspect of the law. I'm not saying it doesn't apply to us, but we live by grace through faith. God helps us to keep his law. If we don't watch out, then we have two tendencies. We'll either deny that we have a tendency to sin ever, which would be self-righteousness, like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were so self-righteous that they didn't just like the 600. They were responsible, by the way, for most of the 613. They took the law and they would say, okay, remember, honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Well, what does that mean? How do you do that? Well, you can't walk more than this many paces. Like do what Jesus' disciples would. By the way, how many have, have watched Cho the, the Chosen? Man, that's so good. I encourage you to do that. It's really, really good. It gives you a different perspective on Scripture. Some creative license in there, but I mean, it could be. So, you either have a tendency to be self-righteous, or you have a tendency to give up and quit trying to please God if you're legal, legalistic. I'm not saying you don't follow the law. I'm saying if you're doing it in your own power and not through the Holy Spirit, then you'll have a tendency. Have you met people who were just so self-righteous and just like you just wanted to slap them and see if they get mad? So you have a tendency, and Paul's saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm wretched. I'm desperate for deliverance. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Notice Paul is not saying, this is like, you can see the progression of this. Paul's not saying, how am I going to be delivered? How am I going to fix this problem? He's saying, who will? This is a good, this is a good turn in, the, in this thing because now he's like, I can't do it myself. So who is going to deliver? A lot of writers do that. They ask the question, rhetorical question right. uh, that they know the answer to, but it's, it makes you stop and think and dig in and figure it out. Now, I found this very interesting. I, you'd think in the history of Christianity and, and all the history that I've taken that I would have ran across this, but I did not. Paul says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Did you know that the ancient tyrants before him, before Paul, before this day, when they wanted to punish someone, say this really bad criminal or whatever, they would literally tie a dead body to them. Just imagine that. And they'd tie them back to back so that you had to carry this putrid 
decaying body with you. What a word picture this is. I mean, this is an amazing illustration. It's, it makes you almost sick, but I, I mean, that's what Paul's saying is we're trying to carry around this old, you know, cell, this old, who's going to deliver me from this dead body? You know, this, this thing I'm trying to do on my own. Who's going to deliver me? And they would strap it to him. The picture here is that he's saying that's what, in a way, that's what the Christian has to do. He has this new life that he's living, and he's living under those principles, but at times we have that old body, that old man, that old dead body of death that we're trying to drag along and make him do right. What a, what a picture, right? Paul's saying, What's, what am I going to do with this body of death? This abominable carcass that is attached to me. That's the flesh, right? That's the carnality that he started talking about. Verse 25. Paul finally, remember I said, he said, who, not how can I, who will deliver me? So Paul's finally looking outside of himself to the only one that can help him, and that's Jesus. The only one that can help us live a godly life is Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I thank God. So now he's like, thank God. There's an answer to all of this, to this struggle, uh, that it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This duality of that we all live in. Hopefully, we live for the Lord more than we submit to the flesh. Certainly, you need to have some change if you're not, put it that way. So he's thanking the Lord uh, for this help that God gives us to overcome sin, to not live by the law, and to not live carnally, is, is what he's thanking the Lord for. So uh, Paul is looking outside of himself. He's looking beyond the law to Jesus as his help. That's the answer to this internal struggle. And it is for all of us. If we look outside of ourselves, in other words, I, I can't do it on my own, and the law won't help me live like God really wants me to live. It'll point out what sin is, but it doesn't give me the power like the Holy Spirit does. And so I look on beyond all of that to Jesus who is my help. And near the end of his life, as he's in prison, he's saying, I've finished my race. I've fought the good fight. I've done all these things. So Paul was victorious. But how was he victorious? He denounced sin. He denounced the law, which was everything that he had uh, been taught, raised to do. And he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just me, it's a perspective. I'm not looking, when I say look outside, I'm not looking to me for my help, but I'm looking beyond that. I don't mean, I'm not saying Christ doesn't live in us. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to, to look somewhere besides my own strength. Maybe the wording could have been a little bit better, but that's, that's what uh, we're, we're saying here, to look 
not in our own strength, but beyond that, beyond even the law, and to Jesus. We have a tendency to think that the new covenant, I'm going to call it cheap grace, for lack of a better word, and if you really look at the New Testament and Jesus' definition of what it means to live for the Lord, it would be impossible, even more possible than the 613 laws, right? Uh, and the only way you can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I'm not living right, I get convicted. Right, it's not really necessarily the sin, but I know I'm not living right. I want to call it a process of sanctification. I know that when we're saved, we're, we're sanctified. But it's also a continuing work. We're sanctified in that we're set apart and we're, and we're Christ, but we're also growing in this. And I don't know about any of you, but maybe, maybe you didn't feel or think this way, but there's some things now that if I was, if I did them earlier in my life, I might not have felt conviction for it. But now I do because the Holy Spirit has matured me and grown me to that point that I, I can't do that anymore. I'm just going to share something that I've, I've been thinking about this for years. And I think formerly and in, in, in times past that the church did a better job with this than they do now. And some of it has to do with the busyness of life and just change of priorities. But the mentorship role that Paul describes and he says older men teach the younger men and older women teach the younger ladies and grow them up and uh, we're missing that and, uh, and there's onus on both parts though so I, I'm not I'm not I want to make you understand that you have a responsibility to do that but the younger Christian also has a responsibility to subject himself to that kind of teaching and mentoring. I see some that some of that's missing that I used to see that I don't see as much of now in the modern day church. Paul's not saying that you can't be victorious in this. It never tells us that Paul himself killed Christians, but he sure took them to be put into prison, took them, held the coats of those who were stoning others even with the power of the Holy Spirit to know that you are responsible for someone who's a Christian and now you're a Christian being killed, that's a heavy weight. And you can be victorious over that, but that's still going to be affect you. The good news for all of us is that if the Lord can use somebody like that, He can use us, certainly. Not that we... I'm not saying we're better, but we, we haven't done that. You know, we're hopefully the Lord, if he can use that, he can use me, right? He can use you. But let's go through the questions. So question number one, the answer obviously is no. Paul is, does not mean that he's not a Christian just because it states that he is carnal. Question number two, what does carnal mean? It simply means of the flesh. We're all carnal. We're all of the flesh. We, have, we live in it. Question number three talks about Paul's inability to do what is good because of lack of desire. Is that true? No, it's not because of lack of desire. 
And it's not because of lack of knowledge. Here is a man who is probably a genius. I mean, he's picked out, handpicked to follow, you know, Gamaliel and all of those. So it's not about a lack of knowledge. The issue then is that the law gives him no power to do good. Saying the law is bad, I'm just saying it's not like the Holy Spirit it doesn't help him to to do good. When it comes to sin, question five: To be saved from sin, a man must at the same time own it, own it and, disown. and disown it. I, I like that statement. That's more profound uh, as you look at that. So, what does the word wretched mean? Worn out from the struggle. Worn out because of unsuccessful effort. Question seven. Describe what Paul may mean by the statement, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul, Paul in his description about this body of death is, it's, this, it's that illustration about what ancient rulers used to do, is strap this dead body onto somebody. And, and it, it's telling us basically that we, it's a description of this struggle that we've been talking about. Struggle between our carnal fleshly ways uh, and how do we live by the Spirit and how do we not sin or how do we live uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit? Question eight, what's the answer, what's the answer then to the internal struggle with sin? To look to someone besides yourself, who is Jesus, and to not trust in the law or put your your ability doesn't come from the law, but it comes from Jesus. That's how we overcome this struggle. 